Welcome to this week's episode of Truther. I'm Erin Glory Ryan. I'm Ben Collins. I'm Gideon Resnick. And this week, what are we talking about, guys? We're talking about uh, Walt, Walt Disney? We're taking beloved childhood memories. Yeah. And we are making a pee-pee tape out of them. That's correct. We're, we're viewing them through the lens of Kinsey, essentially. Yes. Yeah. All of America heard rumors throughout their entire childhood that there was a dick on the cover of some Disney movie or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we are you going to explore that. a poster of that at your desk. Right, Shut of up. just the dick, not just even just the, the dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a it's like a really grainy zoom in on the cover of a VHS tape. And it's like his entire desk area. It's so weird, guys. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, the more you zoom in on it, the less it looks like a dick. Anyways. Yeah. This week we are going to uh talk about Disney. Disney, maybe as you have not seen or experienced it before. No, I think we've all probably experienced it this way. It seems like a fairly common experience to experience it more as like um like Disney. Yes. Yeah. Don't you think, like, you watch a movie a million times when you're, like, six, right? And then as you get older, you start to, like, kind of reach a point of awakening. And then there's, like, these kind of stories about hidden innuendo in Disney that get swapped around. All of a sudden, you're attracted to Raja from Aladdin, and you don't really know what to do with yourself. You're attracted to the fox from uh, Robin Hood. Oh. And it ruins your whole life. Yeah. Wow. Wow. How do you even reconcile that later on? He's You don't. That's why I'm not married. Hypothetically. Yeah. And I'm in my 30s. Right, exactly. It's really hard to uh, find so the fox we're psychoanalyzing Aaron this episode. Yeah. To, uh, yeah. No, it's, I've, I'm fine, guys. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. No, but there's like a there's a lot of um, there's a lot of Disney movies where, especially during like the age of movies from like what, the early 90s yeah. until. Like they the start- heyday. Uh, well, the the this generation's heyday because right, yeah. there was like there's been multiple heydays, right? VHS heyday. VHS heyday with like the puffy yeah, covers. The, yeah, the puffy covers. Where you could like still run the risk of breaking your VCR by putting Free Willy in backwards. <laughs> Did you do that? Oh yeah, I was convinced. You know how there's like the part on the front of the VHS that like kind of lifts up like a DeLorean door. You thought Free Willy two would just magically appear? If you put it in <laughs> no, no, no. I no. just I was convinced that that Enslave part. Enslave Willy if you put it in backwards. Um, <laughs> I thought, yeah, if you play, yeah, if you play the movie backwards, <laughs> it it's actually a, like a cave. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. about capturing an orca. Yeah. It's actually just blackfish if you it's, play it backwards. <laughs> Anyways, so um, Disney, um, uh, it, it's, it's filled with the sexin, and we're bringing on Richard Lawson today from from Vanity Fair to talk about it. Oh, one of my favorite writers, He's genuinely so great. a genius about this stuff. He knows pretty much every uh, sexual Disney. Conspiracy theory there well, is. We don't want to disparage his name too much. Right. Exactly. No, <laughs> That's a good no. Point. he knows he knows a lot of like sexual uh like Yogi Bear stuff too. Right. right. He, exactly. he, it's not just Disney. It's yeah. all of it. Yeah. If somebody drew it and it's sexual, he knows about he it. He knows about all of it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um by the way, do you did you think that, that Walt Disney D was a G growing up? Yeah. I, I did. Gizney. Just like Giz- the way Giz- the Disney. the cursive happened like the way that the yeah, it, it looked like, like a cheat. over the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah did you guys have any experiences watching a disney movie and realizing at the time that there was something like having a feeling of like this is untoward this, yes this is oh my stars for, for mine young eyes <laughs> yes oh my 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 i don't think i don't think i had it while i was watching them i think this was definitely something that has become like a nostalgia factor for like people who are older and perverted by having lived their lives online, that you just, like, now it's just the thing where it's always ascribed to these movies. And, like, even in a, in a lesser sense, like, having listicles of 
the hottest Disney princesses and stuff like that is like a quasi. Isn't that a thing? Like, yeah. isn't that like kind of a? Do you remember a few years ago it was popular for everyone to be like, "Here's what the Disney princesses would look like." As feminists, and they yeah. would draw them like it's like, ooh, this one. Uh, Ariel went and studied STEM at UMass or whatever, and then they would be drawn like working in labs or whatever. When I was at Jezebel, one of the biggest posts we ever did was where we had um, Tara Jacoby, our artist, one of our artists on staff, draw a uh, all the princes naked, all the Disney princes naked. I remember that, and it had it got like millions and millions of views. See, because there is there is that weird like curiosity gap where when you were watching them when you were younger there's no explicit sexuality there's only there's always a love interest there's always like a ooh they're going to get married or like maybe these lions will like tussle in maybe the woods their paws or something will touch. Yeah. yeah and and then and so like once you become sexually aware then i think you just go back and retroactively Watch all it. the Disney movies sexually. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I'm sexually aware now. I gotta go. I gotta go back and watch um, <laughs> well, the, the Lion King and see what's going on. There isn't like another sort of major cultural touchstone where yeah. you can like do that quite as easily. Yeah, I also think that like there's something larger to be said about like you know the the idea of Disney movies somehow being secretly corrupting influences are sort of like. Along a lo- or there are, uh, there's a long tradition of people thinking that something is coming for the children in um in the in American society and it it just seems like Disney would be the most also I think it's like a really hopeful thought too because it's like when from a kid's perspective yeah. maybe but like if you're watching it at 14 you're tr- desperately trying to find something to make it so like this still relates to you in some capacity yeah or 25 even so you're just hanging <laughs> out last yes- night yeah. or yesterday right the second <laughs> but no yeah but I think it's like I think it's like a really hopeful thought for people to be like oh yeah of course like they were hold they were hiding all these things for me for later on but really it's just like that's just a fucking pillar or something that's a dick <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> what what um what Disney movies like did you when, like going back to the VHS things like what did you watch frequently not for like the sexual clues but just like as a, sexual clues. as a as a child enjoying movies because I remember like I distinctly had like a a pack of favorites. What were your favorites? I did Aladdin apparently every day after school. Which is a very, yeah, because that seems pretty weird. There's also, like, that movie has some pretty rough stuff in it. Like, Slave Jasmine? Yeah. Like, that's a pretty racy scene. Yeah. Literally a a boy who's starving to death living on the street. Yeah. With to steal apples to stay alive. Well, he's also, he flies into a brothel in the one part. (laughs) Yeah, sure. And all the ladies, the brothel ladies are the women of the night. Then he hallucinates this giant blue genie who makes all of his wishes come true. This genie was real. Yeah. Okay. What are you talking about? Genies are real. Okay. Yeah. Have you, every time you see, if you ever see a guy who's tall and bald and is wearing two earrings, it's a genie. Right. Right. That you you, you rub have... his head and then you ask for three wishes. Yeah. yeah. So and if you're in like a yeah, if you're in like a radio shack or whatever and you see him there, just like rub his head and yeah. see what happens. Like you know, genie bros aside, like so some of the some of the movies that like often come up in in terms of like this mythic sexual thing that may or may not be happening. Obviously, like Little Mermaid. Where like everybody has you know circled the thing that looks like a penis on right. both like the castle. It's situation. about one woman's quest, one sea girl's quest to obtain a vagina. Yeah, essentially. <laughs> like if you, yeah, if you look at it through a certain lens, that is exactly that's what she gets in the movie. Spoiler alert: if you haven't seen it already, Ariel gets a vagina at the end. She gets a permanent vagina. 
This is assuming that they're... I, can you remake this movie like Gilbert Gottfried with her voice? Like, just walking around trying to find a vagina. She doesn't have a voice. She just sings. But <laughs> she would just be tweeting instead of singing if it were me doing the movie. So so the Little Mermaid, the one, one see girl's quest to obtain a vagina. We also have Aladdin with the slave scene and the brothel scene. But there's others that are kind of... Right. They, well, they, they sort of, like, uh, neuter... Like these really harrowing tales. What else are we talking about? What Hunchback of Notre Dame is, I think, the one where it started to both get into like weird dark territory and also like explicit lusting, which was like not something that happened in the other movies. And it's also like because it has human characters as opposed to like dogs or yeah. lions or anything like that. There's also there's also like animal movies where there's like reproduction occurs in the animal movies. Like 101 Dalmatians, they just Pongo and Perdita just mm-hmm. keep doing it. I mean, you don't see it, but it happens. Yeah, I think it, but th- that's also too, like, part of the the thing of, like, when you're a child and you, like, don't really have too much of an inkling of, like, what sex is besides, like, um, your siblings or, like, people at school, like, trying to tell you about yeah, it. Yeah, I thought it was two people touching butts. Right, exactly. Um, uh, Not <laughs> far like, off. But, like, but... It, like, I think that... I thought it was people putting uh, VHS tapes into the VHS player the wrong way. Well, <laughs> yeah. That's what sex was. A child comes out of the, like, <laughs> out of the VHS in there. <laughs> but, like, but going back to, like, the 101 Dalmatians and all this other stuff is... So, like, when children are, like, inquiring about this stuff where they're like, where where is a child coming from? Or where is, like, a puppy coming from? Or something like that. Yeah. Like, there isn't... There's neither, like, an explicit answer when you're younger from authority figures and there also is not one from Disney. So then it's just like sort of hard to... To navigate. Yeah. Yeah, there's also... Okay, so we're we're talking about animal stuff. So there's 101 Dalmatians where they like have puppies. And then there's um, Lady and the Tramp. Do you guys remember the scene where Lady is in the pound and she meets like the Tramp's ex-girlfriend and the Tramp's ex-girlfriend sings a song about how many dogs he's boned? No. Yeah, it's called He's a Tramp. It's like, he's a tramp, but I love him. What a dog. What a dog. He's a tramp, but they love him. Breaks a new heart every day. He's a tramp. They adore him. And I only hope he'll stay that way. He's a tramp. He's a scoundrel. He's That's a real a thing in um in, in Lady and the Tramp, where they, they go to the pound and Lady meets one of the tramp's ex-girlfriends and she sings about it. So, um, it's sort of like one of those like uh, like subreddits where you just like tell people not to uh, go, meet specific pickup artists? Yeah, sort of. It's sort of like that. It's, yeah. it's like pickup artist dog world. Yeah. Kind of. Or like a secret Facebook group. Where <laughs> yeah, the dogs yeah, that's what it is. It's a secret Facebook group. It's our backslash relationship advice. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, were there any Disney characters that you felt were maybe inappropriately attractive or that you felt attracted to as you were watching them? Uh, all the Dalmatians. <laughs> <laughs> I think my, my aesthetic goal in terms of um, at least performing ability that came that is uh, that just sounds <laughs> going. sounds like fucking to yep. me um, is uh, is Powerline from a Goofy movie. Goof, speaking of Goofy, didn't he like have a dog 
in the early he did in the early Disney cartoons. Also, Pluto and him don't really make sense in the same universe. No, they're both dogs, but yeah. Pluto is Goofy's dog, and like some some have pointed out that that's a sort of S and M type. I don't buy that at all. That's the biggest stretch to me. Well, somebody's never been in an S and M relationship. Yeah, I have not had the pleasure of uh, or pain of yeah. I've not had the the pain of uh, or pleasure of copulating <laughs> with someone named Pluto. Pluto would be a good like person that's being dominated name. Yeah, like this is my this is my sub Pluto. Or it's possible like it, Pluto is just a huge dipshit. I think this is no, I think this is less of a BDSM thing and more of like No, but the, the, in those it's less I think of a BDSM thing and more of just like a hierarchy of uh of dogs. But B- right? BDSM is just like it's a sexualized hierarchy. Anyway, it doesn't yeah. matter. Let's just not picture them having sex. Um so one thing that kind of doesn't get a lot of got doesn't get a lot of play, but I think it deserves some attention. Is the Gaston song from Beauty and the Beast? You guys remember that one? No one's slick as Gaston. No one's quick as Gaston. No one's next as incredibly thick as Gaston. For there's no man in town half as manly. Perfect, a pure paragon. You can ask any Tom, Dick, or Stanley. And they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on. No one's been like Gaston. No one's got us well cleft in his gym like Gaston. As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. I want a dog like Gaston. It's like LeFou, his little lackey, is singing about how great Gaston is. And then Gaston finally stops being depressed and he joins in and he sings things like, and every last inch of me is covered with hair. And he rips his shirt open. But uh, no, the best thing about Gaston is that he just like comes up with all these great ways to brag about himself and it all rhymes. It's the best Disney song of all time, but also... I feel like being covered in hair is a weird brag. I, I, some girls like that. Also, the Beast is fucking covered in hair. Talk about a person who's covered in hair. Well, that's maybe why Gaston tried to kill him, because the Beast had more hair follicles than him, and he was mad. Because that's his... He was raised in a household where hair follicles are a demarcation of masculinity. But imagine imagine being in, like, a pissing contest about hair, and, like, your opponent is a literal Beast. <laughs> didn't he have, like, a... Didn't... He had, like, a, a crimson chin type thing going on, too, right? He, he had, had a like butt a, chin, yeah. He had a, but it was, like, he had, like... Like a, a uh, like heavy face. He had like a. It looked yeah. like if you tried to lift his head, it would hurt. It would be heavy. Yeah. <laughs> he had a big thick skull. But he also had. There's another part of the song. I was just daydreaming about Gaston. There's another part of the song where he says, "When I was a lad, I ate four dozen eggs every morning to help me get large. And now that I'm grown, I eat five dozen eggs, so I'm roughly the size of a barge." And now that I'm grown, I, yeah, and he goes, go, go, go. Yeah. And then he says he's grown. He makes this, like, muscle thing. And then these three women faint behind him, which is, it was very sexual for wow. me. For <laughs> <laughs> This was actually a dream that Aaron had. Like, imagine if, like, imagine if, no. like, a real human was, like, look at my chest hair as I guzzle eggs in public. <laughs> <laughs> and then people were like, oh, wow. Yeah. Sexual being right here. No, I would rip out my IUD and snort some folic acid if I saw that. I don't want to be big if it entails like drinking eggs. 
Like that's really gross. It doesn't. It's. I don't know where that came from. Yeah, people do it still. They do. Oh. Gross. Mor- anyway, morning egg drink. <clears throat> Anyways, uh, we're going to wrap up this segment and bring on Richard Lawson of Vanity Fair to talk about uh, how Lion King is a big uh, sex romp. Yay! Classic sex romp. Yep. <laughs> So I guess as a, an opening question for you, Richard, um, what have you seen in the Disney, um, the word that I was going to say is discography, and that is wrong, <laughs> um, but in in the films of Walt Disney that has struck you as having strong sexual undercurrents or references? Well, I mean, I think there are some that are more uh, overt and explicit than others. I mean, uh, we can we can talk about like the Hunchback of Notre Dame or uh, the Lion King, which have kind of they're just sort of textual. They're not really subtextual or anything. But past that, uh, you know, when I was younger, like, like a teenager, there was sort of this lore that was passed around about like what of the classic Disney animated movies of my era, sort of Little Mermaid on. Um, where, like where there were sort of secret little sexy things put in. And so that was kind of how I spent my time as a teen whenever I was watching a Disney movie, if I happened to be watching one, was seeking out that stuff, whether it's an erection in A Little Mermaid or uh, someone whispering to teenagers to take off their clothes in Aladdin. <laughs> you know there are better movies to look for uh, sex in than The Little... Maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> Wait, Th- let's... Oh, go ahead. This was this was during the age of uh, dial-up internet, so you know you had to take okay. it where you found it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Richard, I think you and I are about the same age, so we were like, I was, I, I remember the same thing too. Like you mentioned, The Little Mermaid. Can you describe for our listeners what that looks like and how you came across it? Yeah, well, this woman has no lower half, so it's gonna be just. Cuts off half the amount of sexing that, that can happen in this movie. It's not bestiality if you only make out with the top half of the mermaid. That is true, yes. Sorry. R- under sorry, under federal it. law, that's how it yeah, goes. Exactly. Um, well, actually, it has nothing to do with, uh, with Ariel herself. Um, so there are two kind of m- m- the famous examples of it in Little Mermaid. One is that there's a shot of the underwater castle where King Triton lives, and one of the towers looks very much like a circumcised penis. Uh, and then at the very end of the film, uh, when Eric and Ariel are getting married on the boat, this little old priest who's marrying them appears to have a visible erection. Uh, now, wow. you know, this has been debunked by Disney animators who say, no, it's his knee or the penis in the castle was inadvertent. But I don't the know. The classic excuses <laughs> of that wasn't an erection. Accidental dick. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, there's there's some other things that are kind of double entendres in that movie, aren't there? Like the the under the sea. Under the sea. Under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. D- darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. <laughs> like that seems like a little bit sexual as well. Well, I think that's kind of the 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 funny thing about this particular brand of like lore and and myth really is with the Disney sex stuff is that if you look at it all kind of listed out and there are websites where you know where blog posts about this 
Um, it's all like just like horny adults or teenagers like inferring a lot. And so it kind of speaks more to the viewer than it does to like some animator or, you know, whoever was, was supposedly putting this stuff into the movie. Cause yeah, you could listen to that lyric in under the sea and, and think it's one thing, but as a kid, I certainly didn't, you know? So I think it's more about your psychology. But I also than, think than like, it seems like maybe the animators were also sort of horny. Like the way that women are drawn seems like a like the the work of horny men. Yeah, Mulan was like totally clothesless for most of that movie. Wait, what? Oh, am I thinking of the right movie? I don't know. Mulan, <laughs> not the one that I saw. I don't. I don't know what version. <laughs> Wait, everyone saw. was totally nude in the version of Mulan that I saw. Every <laughs> single person. Are you talking about totally... Roman Polanski's Macbeth? <laughs> They're like, what are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, if, apparently, yeah, apparently there's disagreement as to which uh, iteration of popular Disney films we watch. Apparently, we need to talk to Ben's parents after we're done oh recording God, this yeah. about what he's seen and what uh, they allowed him to see. But so, I mean, this this is obviously like a conspiracy and a myth in the sense that you're describing where we are projecting this stuff onto these movies. And I'm wondering, like... Is that a generational thing just in terms of people having seen this stuff when they were younger and then returning to it later and um, kind of thinking like, hmm, there's I have a new lens on the way that I'm I'm viewing this. Well, um, well, I think that one, Aaron is right, that the, the animators do seem to have their own sort of, you know, prurient interest in mind. So I think that that kind of lends credence to these theories. But I think in a bigger sense, at least for me, I think there is a generational difference in that, like, when this was stuff was getting talked about when I was 13, 14 years old, you know, we had the internet at home, but it really was not anything like it is today. And so you had to seek out the video, you had to find it. There was more of us... Uh, uh, a kind of process to it, a discovery process, whereas now you can just type it in really quick and it's just on Google image, you know, search or whatever, and there it is. Um, and so it's less kind of titillating or exciting or, uh, you know, it sort of means less. I think that people have definitely done kind of deep dives looking for Easter eggs and, or, uh, you know, in, in like Pixar films, and they do a lot of that. Um, it's not sexual, but it's just sort of like subtle nods to other movies in their canon. Um so it still it still goes on, but I think that kind of like dirty like pass around the tape and whisper to each other like look at you know hour and one hour and fifteen minutes like there's this in it like I don't know if that culture really exists because it's just everything is so readily available now. Yeah, and it's weird that it was specifically just Disney movies. I mean, because there were like they had like a certain monopoly on animated film, right? But there was there were other animated movies at the time, especially, like, in the 90s that were starting to come out. And, like, and Pixar is another perfect example of, like, if this were, if this were, like, an epidemic among <laughs> animators, like, it would it would make sense then that in Pixar movies, too, you'd have these, like, weird moments where there was, like, sexual innuendo or something. And it seems like it's totally absent from those. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there was one kind of meme that went around, I think, from Toy Story 3, where there was a shot of all the toys kind of looking up in sort of shock and awe, and someone made it look like there was a, they were, there was a shadow projected on them of, of like, the grown-up owner of the toys, like, getting a blowjob or something. <laughs> but, like, but it, it's, it's pr proven to be Photoshopped. So, I, I, yeah, I think that with the, those Disney animated movies, you know, Little Mermaid on... Um, those were just these paragons of, you know, childhood virtue and, you know, all this kind of like clean, squeaky clean stuff that to infuse those with this kind of sinister sexuality, actually. I mean, in, in, in particular, the Aladdin thing. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. That's the good kids take off your clothes thing. 
good good teenagers, I believe it is. Oh, okay. I heard good kids. Different Maybe parts of the country, kids. I guess, yeah. different legends. So supposedly if you turn up the volume really loud at one point, I think it's when they're on the balcony in Jasmine's Palace, you can hear someone whispering, all good teenagers or good kids take off their clothes. And there's something about that that always felt really creepy and sort of like some creepy old man like whispering, you know. Um, and I think that that sinister element and coupled with Disney's complete lack of sinisterness uh, was why these rumors and sort of this lore kind of got um, the legs that it had for the, as long as it has. But I think with Pixar, which is more ironic, more self-aware, there's less of a kind of tendency to, to try to um, find the adult angles of those movies. Was that a trap to, like, blow out your kids' speakers? Or is that a real thing that actually happened? Yeah, you can hear it. it it's, it's like they say that, it, it, that it's him saying, good kitty, take off and go. He's saying good because the because the so okay the so first of all the tiger's name is Raja and Raja's jumping on him and Aladdin goes good kitty take off and go but he says it in a really like hushed way. Come on, good kitty, take off. Down, kitty. Okay, huh? Have like has this become has this been a problem to the point where like I know like certain people have batted down like particular imagery in some of these movies like the 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 rumor of like the sex written in the sky and in Lion King but like. Have, like, animators or the company at large, like, been forced to respond to most of these things because, like, people look at it and say that's very bizarre and they're, like, reading too much into it? Um, I mean, there have been people who've worked for Disney in the past who have commented on it, um, just from what I've seen kind of doing a rough search for, uh, that this topic. Um, I don't know if anyone's, like, at Disney at the time, like, or presently employed by it has commented on it. Um... Because I don't think that their core demographic is hearing this stuff or, you know, I don't think that, like, I think it's just when they're a little bit older and they don't really care about that anyway, you know. Um, but I would be curious because, you know, uh, it <laughs> a surprising amount of people like my age and a little younger, like, know about this stuff in, in a way that I thought it was sort of a passing thing. So I don't know, maybe Disney should say something about it. <laughs> what, what's fascinating to me is that, like, like you're saying, there's always this like desire to make Disney and Disney World this dystopian place. Like there was that movie that came out a couple of years ago called Escape from Tomorrow, where you know this this guy uh, wanted to shoot a film inside of Disney World surreptitiously, like like undercover, and uh, he shot it mostly on like phones and iPhones. And Disney found out later on that he was doing it, so they had to sneak in, and like it was very. It, but the the premise of the movie is that Disney Disney World is is hell. It's like effectively like some sort of family hell trying to tear apart your family. <laughs> and I just like of all companies, it just seems like I know that they had a like the fundament at the basement of this company is a maybe Nazi sympathizing uh, 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 man at the beginning. But they have done a lot to atone, I think. So it's so fascinating to me that people project all this like evil onto this company, isn't it? I think so, and and I and you know I remember when I was a kid, I had a family member who worked at Disney, and I used to hear things. There was a time, I think, in the '80s and maybe uh, uh, earlier than that, even where they were sort of known to be really bad to their employees, and uh, at at the theme parks and things like that. So I think that sort of added to it, and I, they fixed that, from what I can understand. And then there was this other kind of persistent rumor that I 
have never really had fully debunked, but um, I sort of weirdly believe it, even though it's probably crazy, that no one is allowed to die at Disney World. And so if someone does collapse of a heart attack there or something like that, they, they, they take them off park premises, park property, um, and then declare them dead there. Oh, my God. <laughs> die Who in the woods. Who wants to do it? Who wants to do it? I'm, I will volunteer to, to die. die. I'll try yeah. to do it in the very middle of the park and see if they drag me off. But you guys have to revive me. You have to, you have to plan your aneurysm at Space Mountain. Exactly. Exactly. My planurism. Um, Richard, I had a, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, you said most of the source material for Disney movies is pretty innocent, but um, I think you had mentioned, like I, I brought it up in like my Facebook wall and you mentioned that you thought one movie in particular was maybe inappropriate to be made into a Disney film. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is one of the later movies in the sort of second animated renaissance that Disney had in the 90s, um, and it's not really one of the more beloved ones, just because it is kind of creepy and grown up. Uh, in particular, this, sign, this song that the villain Frollo has where, called Hellfire, where he sings essentially about, like, the fire in his loins for Esmeralda, the sort of gypsy uh, woman played, I think, by Demi Moore. Demi, Demi Moore. Uh, and so, yeah, he has this, like, song where he's blaming her and you know, asking God why he's been cursed with this sort of attraction to her. Then tell me, Maria, why I see her dancing there, why her smoldering eyes still scorch my soul. I feel her, I see her, the sun caught in her raven hair is blazing in me out of all control. Like fire, fire, this fire in my skin, this burning desire is turning me to sin. And that to me is a very odd villain song. Uh, you know, yeah, what's weird is that this was Tucker Carlson's A Block segment this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, it is. It's it's very weird. And I remember. I'm I'm, I'm fairly certain I saw uh, that movie in theaters. And I remember like, I think kind of distinctly feeling like a little like confused by like the back half of the movie in terms of like the plot because like it is it is very much like motivated by. Like, the villain is not a person who, and correct me if I'm wrong, is, like, he's not necessarily, like, trying to, like, kill the hunchback or anything, right? Like, he's mostly mad that, like, the hunchback, like, stole his, his the woman that he wants or something, which is, like, a very, like, weird um, concept to try to, like, pull off in a movie for children. Yeah. It, no, it's weird. It, the movie should have been called Take an L, Dude. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, learn learn when you're ahead. Quit while you're ahead. Uh, there's also, you know, I remember my I had a little I have a little sister who's six years younger than me, and I remember seeing Mulan with her and being like at an age the where totally nude one, or the <laughs> regular no, one? no, the one where they're wearing clothes. <laughs> Mulan directors, the one where they're wearing clothes, and there's like a there's like a gender fluidity in Mulan that I think, especially for a generation ago, would maybe have been something that kids were not really comfortable addressing or confronting. Well, did Mike Pence write that? Article was that was that was about Mulan. Right? Is this another thing you've imagined? No, no, no. About he Mulan? did. He actually he wrote he wrote yeah. an op-ed about Mulan that was like linking it to um, like women serving in the military. He or called it like liberal that. propaganda, and he said obviously this is Walt Disney's attempt to add childhood expectation to the cultural debate over the role of women in the military. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! And and also uh, <laughs> dragons that are their sidekicks named Mushu. 
Oh yeah, that's the other that's the <laughs> other debate that should be had. Um, what do you think? What do you think about Mulan? Do you think that that is one of those movies that might have confused kids or might have introduced them to themes that at the time parents weren't prepared to talk to them about? Yeah, I mean, I think that any time when you have you know sort of gender switchy stuff like that, like it it does. It does skirt into sort of queer territory, which is which is pretty interesting. Um, I haven't seen Mulan in a long time, but to me, it, I feel like they kind of almost strenuously avoid any sense of attraction between her and you know anyone else in the army. Um, I think there there is a love interest, but um, but yeah, that that one seems to have sort of uh, skated by somehow. And I wonder if they were to do that now, how much pressure they would feel to actually comment on it versus just sort of you know hint at it. Um, I'm not really sure, um, but you Can know. Can you but, imagine that the the like outrage though, if they made a movie with a song in it that called "I'll Make a Man Out of You," and then at the end, the only way Mulan was able to achieve happiness is if she went back to being a girl. And then, things yeah. have changed. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, I'm going to read a little bit of this uh, Mike Pence up because it's very funny. Oh, good. It is instructive that even in the Disney film, young Ms. Mulan falls in love with her superior officer. The classic way to refer to her, Ms. Mulan. Ms. Mulan. Yeah, that's her last is, name. Is the New York Times of Disney movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He has to add that article in front. Uh, this is real. Me thinks the politically correct Disney types completely missed the irony of this part of the story. They likely added it because uh, it added realism with which the viewer could identify the characters. Um, many young men find many young women to be attractive sexually. What? Many yeah, young women no, find don't. many young men to be attractive sexually. Put them together in close quarters for long periods of time, and things will get interesting. Just like they eventually did for young Mulan, moral of the story. Uh, women in military, bad idea. Huh. I wonder if he wrote a similar one about women eating lunch with men who are Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if the... Uh, that would make the, for a very good Disney movie. The yeah. trans-military ban, or Yelp, because it's not really... It's not a... It's not a ban yet. Yeah. He, he the just kind of yelled it Yeah, if that had some sort of genesis in uh, this bullshit Mulan watching experience from Mike Pence. That would be a very funny genesis for it. I'm wondering also, like, so there are often politics ascribed to movies and culture in, in general. And I think more so now where you have sort of like a, a take generation that often wants to use um, a piece of art or a film or something like that to make a broader point about like social justice warriors or, um, you know, political correctness and things like that. But it, it seems like that became a, a product for consumption, like long after the sort of like Disney era um, heyday. So like Richard, do you think that like any of these takes that exist now are just sort of like retroactively doing it just like to create an argument of some sort? I mean, I think that 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 certainly happens with really an, any sort of once beloved cultural property that then we kind of look back on and are like, oh, what were we thinking? You know, I think that sometimes it's valid, sometimes it's kind of people grasping. But um, I think with the Disney movies, just be, especially because of how for, particularly formative they were for a generation of people that is now kind of coming into power, essentially. I mean, you know, people in their 30s and um, whatnot. So. Uh, yeah, I think I think that it merits talking about the gender dynamic in Mulan, the the sort of negative lessons that it that it teaches. I think that Beauty and the Beast has some weird stuff to say about gender. Um, you know, I think that like maybe Lion King has you know uh, there you know, there are problems there. And actually, I think the Lion King for me, this the sort of sexuality of that movie always kind of kind of creeped me out the most. 
Um, you know, I don't really. I haven't seen it in like ten years. But like, what's what? <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I'm sorry say, yeah, I don't remember it. It's only in one scene, really. But it's like, so we get the little montage of Simba growing up, and then there's this weird shot where he's like, sort of like puberty lion, which is like, a, which is always sort of a, I didn't like, and it's only there for like a second, and then he's grown up, and then he meets Nala, his love interest from childhood again, and they're both grown up, and they basically have a sort of softcore sex scene. Uh, where she's like lying down on 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 the grass and you know batting her eyelashes up at him and it's they're singing can you feel the love tonight and it's like really it's it's it goes a lot further in terms of like sex and romance than other Disney movies do because I think it's animals. But for a Disney movie, it, it goes there, you know, like he's, she's like lying down on her, on her back and he's above her and, you know, and then she kind of basically gives him this kind of like come hither look. I mean, it's maybe I'm, maybe I'm just have some weird, <laughs> some, some weird lion hangups or something, but um, I don't know. I remember it being sort of memorable when I saw it and I was kind of just like put off by it in a weird way, but um, but no, then, then Hunchback came along and, and kind of undid all that. So Richard, we'd like to talk about your childhood uh, <laughs> really quickly before we let you go. No, I'm just kidding. Um, there, there, I, this is all really fascinating to me because I didn't, I, I chose other things to read too deeply into, but I really do wonder if I, I, I wonder if kids in the future are going to be like this with Disney movies because this canon was so specific and every single American person knows exactly what you're talking about when you talk about all these movies. And they also have these, like like Aaron said, there are these weird regional versions of these conspiracy theories that we all know about. The big one for me was the was the uh, penis on the uh, um, cover of Little Mermaid. Thank you, our producer uh, just told us this. But that's the, like, to me, that's the, that was the big one. But everyone has their own, like, regional delicacy of, like weird sex stuff in Disney movies, and I just wonder if that sort of like, like uh, underground innuendo that went nationwide is going to continue anymore. Well, I, I think that innuendo as a sort of art form is 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 kind of in, in jeopardy in a way, just because like you know, like I said, like everything is available now, like things feel very textual and not really like you know, sublimated at all. But, um, but you know, that, that then again, uh, when I was a kid, we were still talking about the supposed, you know, uh, little person killing themselves in the background of Wizard of Oz. And, you know, we, right, weren't, yeah. we, we certainly weren't alive when that movie came out. So, so these things do persist. I think the internet in all of its, you know, kind of need to debunk and whatever, I think that, that, that maybe that these kind of childhood lore things are going to go away to some extent but um some of them will persist i'm sure and and maybe i'm wrong maybe there is sex stuff in pixar that i just haven't picked up on because i'm not looking for it so i'm going to go back and start with toy story and we watch every movie <laughs> and i'll get back to you guys yeah please <laughs> frame every single shot well i think it's i think it's also interesting too that like these disney movies that we're talking about like were primarily in late 80s early 90s and then what ended up it kind of like segued into this brand of um, animated show specifically in probably like late 90s, early 2000s that was like fairly explicitly weird and sexual. Like Ren and Stimpy comes to mind and um, like some of like the subtext of like Rocco's modern life. And I almost wonder if like there was a point at which people were like, well, this theory sort of just like exists and is out there. So like, let's, let's take this from being like very implicit and like knock it up to being explicit, even though they're like totally different brands for 
like quasi-similar audiences. I was a big Pee-wee's Playhouse person, and they would say things – like, it was explicit. Like, for example, uh, Missy Vaughn was the uh, uh, love interest, I would say, in the show. And there was a character named Flory who was a piece of a floor. And Flory once said, Missy Vaughn, come stand over me because Flory was a little creep. So, like, these sorts of things, I, like, that wouldn't have existed without without these, like, weird random rumors that existed on the Internet. Not, not sorry, pre-Internet, that existed in the world yeah. about Disney. Am I wrong? No, I mean, I think I think that's accurate in a sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I guess, like, so, um, Richard, I'm also wondering, too, like, if when you sort of, like, looked at this um, span of time for Disney movies, um, were there, like, certain points where, um, you know, based on, like, different animators who were there, like, Tim Burton was one, um, other people were involved, where, like, there were these marked moments of, like, a shift in either tone or um, just, like, how dark they were willing to get or how weird or implicitly sexual or like does anything stand out in terms of like looking at it on a timeline well i mean i think that um you know obviously the older ones the the, the classics that 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 was sort of a very different age of disney but then if you're talking about like the sort of modern the ones that we're more familiar with you know starting with little mermaid um you know i think that with little mermaid they didn't really know what they had exactly because disney animation and disney films in general had been sort of moribund for the, most of the 80s and um uh so maybe in that movie they were t- they took a little more risks and they were they they were willing to include a <laughs> a penis castle you know that <laughs> and wondering if people would notice and then as the, as as they started to make more money and do better and beauty and the beast was nominated for best picture first animated film to ever be nominated uh for that you know level of oscar um, maybe think they got a little more careful about it, but at the same time, the movies themselves did get darker, um, and, and, and they were sort of grasping for, uh, stories, you know, I think that when you get to the point where you want to tell the, the, the story of the Hunchback of Notre Dame, like, that's pretty far afield of, like, start of Hans Christian Andersen fairy tales, you know, um, in, in a way, so, um, yeah, I think that, that while, while the, the subject matter got heavier, I think maybe the movies themselves, in terms of their animation and any sort of like stuff they could get away with, maybe got a little more strict. Um, in the same way that you know, um, the Avengers does well, and then they Joss Whedon directs the Avengers too, but it's much more micromanaged by Disney that that time around. Right, and w- like when you look back, like what do you think was the most formative Disney movie for you, and and why was that the case? Um, I mean, Little Mermaid, which I keep mentioning, uh, I, you know, we owned the, um, you know, the big puffy video VHS boxes that those Disney movies came in. Uh, it was a, it was a treasured thing, uh, in my, in my household. Uh, and then, you know, the other ones m- mattered, I think too, but, uh, something about Little Mermaid really, really spoke to me and, uh, and, and still does. I think it's mostly the the, the little the old priest with the erection. I think as a kid I picked up on that. <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining the I'm imagining the excuse of like it being a knee being like employed in a public setting. Like if somebody did like let's say like you know, you were accused of like having an erection on the train or something like that, and like the excuse to like police officers was like, No, it was my knee or something. Like, it's, just, it's such a like absolutely ridiculous thing to like A have to debate over and B like, even, you know, trying to use that as an excuse. Yeah, I actually, when that happens on the train to me, I'm always like, I'm an animated character, and that was my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure that, that yeah. works perfectly. Um, well, Richard, thank you so much for, for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Is there anything else that we missed or that you want to talk about in terms of 
sexual innuendo or lions having sex? Um, no, that's, I mean, I think we covered all the ones that I'm more familiar with. I would encourage uh, those who, who aren't familiar to watch the scene I'm talking about, The Lion King, because, maybe, because I need to know if I'm crazy or not. But it, to me, it feels like a very sexual scene in a sort of otherwise not sexual movie. So, so that, that, would, that would be my one, my one request of your list. There listeners. are lions having sex in the version of Mulan that I saw, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Clearly the, the underground, like, like early, late night Cinemax version yeah. of Mulan that you saw. Uh, well, thank you so much again, Richard. We really appreciate it. And um, we, as soon as we get off the phone, we will put on that Lion King scene. Yep. As a All, right. All right. Enjoy. Thanks, guys. See you. Bye. Well, that was great, guys. Yeah, uh, it was fun. Did we learn stuff this week? I learned more than I probably should have. Like, I probably learned more in this podcast. I don't really know much about the Disney stuff. Probably learn more in this podcast than any other podcast that we've done, and uh, it's all useless. Like none of it is useful. Thank you guys. No, I think it's like I think it's fun party conversation. Yeah, you can really you can really feel out your party audience by seeing if they're willing to engage in the topic of sexual innuendo in The Lion King. It's a way to it's a way to, it's a way to separate the wheat from the chaff in terms it's of a your very, friends. It's a good millennial conversation starter, but you don't want to veer in either direction generation-wise. Like, if you go to, like, generation whatever these people are that are coming up underneath us, you don't want to be like, so guys, what about the sex thing in The Lion King? And you don't want to You're saying you don't want to approach you like don't. teens currently no. and random teens and say, no. hey, how about that sexual scene? No. You walk I... into a justice in a mall. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, hey, you guys seen the sex scene in the line? Hey, yeah. What the fuck was that? Yeah, she, licks, she, she like holds him down and licks him on the face. That's crazy. <laughs> Um, well, that's that's a good thing to learn. It's a good conversation starter. Outside of New York, it's a good one because in New York, the only conversations I have are about looking for an apartment and how bad the train is. So. Yeah, that's you're true. right. This this will help broaden your horizons. Yeah, a little this bit. will help us be less stupid. Yeah, exactly. Um, what did I learn? I learned a lot about myself. You're not the Pluto. Of the I'm bunch. not the Pluto. I'm I'm going to try to be the Pluto less. I think in this year of life ahead of me. It's admirable. An admirable charge to have. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to listen to more Powerline songs because <laughs> they're really really. good. Good. I'm going to go out into the newsroom and sing uh, that song from Mulan that I've been singing all day. I, I really do appreciate you guys taking the time to enlighten me on this um, totally useless bullshit. I really thought you knew what you were talking about. You did a good job faking it. Thank you so much, guys. Um, well, uh, next week we'll go back to talking about um, how the world's ending. Yeah, that sounds great. Cool. Sounds good. And uh, as always, we would like to thank um, Walt Disney himself for his years of inspirational Walt, films. Walt Disney produced this podcast this yeah. week. Yes. Uh, we would also like to thank our AV team, Alex Brooklyn, uh, our wonderful editor and sometimes co-host, Elizabeth Brockway, um, George Soros, uh, the composers. <laughs> Father G, Daddy G. Daddy yeah. G, uh, Mulan, the animators of The Little Mermaid, particularly the man or woman who drew the castle. Uh, and Elton John for his contributions to The Lion King. Yeah. Can you feel the love tonight? I can. I can, too. Yes. All right. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs> Bye. No one's slick as Gaston. No one's quick as Gaston. No one's neck as incredibly thick as Gaston. For there's no man in town half as manly. Perfect and pure paragon. You can ask any Tom, Dick, or Stanley. And they'll tell you whose team they prefer to be on. No one's been like Gaston, a kingpin like Gaston. No one's got a swell cleft in his chin like Gaston. As a specimen, yes, I'm intimidating. My, what a guy that Gaston. 
Perfect. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> 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 <laughs>